Hey, you know where you are? You're in the Grotto Pod. And you know who's here with you? I'm here with you. And you know who's here with me? Bridget Quinn, author. Grinning like a fool. Grinning like a fool. We you know uh, who I am? Are grinning like a fool? Yeah. Why? Because we're just hanging out. We're just hanging out. We don't have any guests today. Nope. It's just us. And uh, we are going to talk a little bit about Bridget's new book. Fortunately, you know what I like about your other podcast is when you guys say, we are the Jews. The, is, it the good for the Jew, is it good for the Jews podcast? Yeah. And I think we should say, and we are the writers. And we are the writers. So we're able to talk about writing because <clears throat> we are Because we are the writers. And we don't presume to stand for all writers. No, not at all. But we do feel like some of the experiences we've had are fairly universal to the writing world. Except for the part where you win, like, giant prizes and stuff, right? You know, that's, you bring that up, and that's a very interesting point, because I feel like the writing world we live in is a different writing world. <laughs> than the prize world. <laughs> than, the, than the grand prize world. Yeah. <clears throat> uh, we live in a world of working writers yeah. who perhaps, I wouldn't even say in spite of, their inability to find that big jackpot. Some have. Some have, but yeah. in kind of a different way. Like we yeah. don't – I was thinking about another podcast. I had this concept for a podcast. We've talked about it before. We've talked about oh. the the, the yes. um, My Favorite Book podcast. Yeah. What do you guys I, think about that? What do you let think us, about it? Send us, us some feedback. We have people talk about their favorite books. But I was thinking about – so. Inspired by a podcast called The Rewatchables, which is, oh, on, right. which yeah. is on the Ringer Podcast yeah. Network. And I thought we should pitch him and just call it The Rereadables. For sure. Don't you have books you always go back to? Yes. I do too. And but sometimes not, I can't figure out what it is. They're not the best. But, you know, The Rewatchables, they're not the best movies right, in the world. Right, that's it. It's like some of my – some of the books I always want to reread. Re- re- reread. I – I can't. I don't know what it is. You know what book I re- have read so many times is "The Shipping News" by Annie Proulx. Oh, really? I know. That I don't seems know. a little dense to reread. Oh, it's not. It's not so dense. And, I didn't make it through. And I did. I do enjoy it. I like the book very much. But I don't know what makes me compelled to revisit. Right. So when we had talked, we had talked about this before. So this full full disclosure, we had a little series with the San Francisco Public Library, our partner. Yes. Uh, where we were trying to do my favorite book in front yep. of an audience. Uh, it's on hiatus right now yeah, as we try to build up a bigger following. Well, and also I, one of the things we realized was that um, we were springing the book on people. Correct. And so it wasn't like people could say, oh, I love that book or I right. want to know about that book. Instead, we were it was a right. surprise. And I think another issue when in the Rewatchables podcast – when they have a movie on, they assemble the podcasters according to who loves the movie. So, so See, far we've had idea. two guests on our My Favorite Book with books I had never read yeah. and was not familiar with. So it was yeah. hard for me to I mean, get – you did read them, but Eventually, it yeah. But it, it was hard for me to go, like, yeah, you're right. This is my favorite book right. too. And remember once we talked to each other about doing a My Favorite Book with us. Right. And I said, what's my favorite book? And then honestly, I think we overthought it. Yeah. I mean because also when you think – it's kind of like people always ask me – Almost always when I do a an event, someone will say, who is your favorite artist? Mm-hmm. And I don't really have one. I mean, there are artists I love and artists who've had a great influence on me and artists I'm passionate about. But is there one who's my favorite? I don't know that I can say that. Well, and it's sort of the, what's the nature of the word favorite? Because exactly. we had talked about, exactly. well, is this the book that inspired you to be a writer? Exactly. Is this the book that influenced you the most? Because I, I, I could think of three books that are yeah. I could say is my favorite book. That's why I think the rereadables is actually a better title because it's really what do you go title. back to. Yeah. Not definitely. necessarily because I had said, oh, you know, Gatsby, of course, is my favorite book because I right. wrote my whole thesis about it. Yeah. And it is one of my favorite yeah. books. But I haven't 
reread it in a really Some of long my time. favorite books, I'm embarrassed. A little embarrassed. Oh, yeah, totally. Um, yeah. So, for example, one of my favorite books, when, when we were talking about this and I was thinking, really, if I had three books I could only take, mm-hmm. one of them was A Room with a View. Mm. Love that book. But I do feel like it sounds a little lightweight to say that. Oh, see, favorite I was book. just going to say, one of my issues as a member of the San Francisco Writers' Grotto is that my reading taste is amazingly lightweight. It is so lightweight. I was going to say, when I was in college, there were these three books written by this guy named John Powers, who is no longer a writer. Vaguely familiar, though. Well, you might, just because they were about Catholic school. Oh, yes. <laughs> I think I do know. They were almost called, Do Black Patent Leather Shoes Really Shine Up? I forget what the second one was called. The third one was like the ice cream god. Does anyone know what that means? I know what it means. Sure. Well, yeah. I did because I read the book. Okay. Tell, tell the listeners what well, why you would be concerned about the shine off of black patent leather because, shoes. Because um, if they were strategically placed, someone could see up your skirt. Right. Yeah. Right. But these books, I loved them. I yeah. read them over yeah. and over and over. And then yeah. recently I found them when we were um, packing up our basement. And I was like, oh, yeah. And I tried to read like, eh. I could see why I would have really liked it. Yeah. As a college kid, yeah, and like in college, I read all those uh, Charles Bukowski books over and over oh, and right. over again. Yes, I read them. I didn't read them over and over again, but I have. Read they were them. so easy to read. Yeah, and they were. That was a big college favorite, I think. Yeah, and I see why too. I remember in college, Dharma Bums was one of my favorite books, and now when I reread it, I'm like, it just seems sweet, but I'm not like inspired. Yeah, I read it once. It was, but on the road for me, it was like yeah, the one. Yeah, on the road like, was oh, yeah. fantastic. Also Until I had my own. My one of my favorite books is Possession by A. S. Byatt. I don't know it. And I have – well, I'm going to tell you. I don't, okay. think, I don't think you should read it because oh. uh, although I ha- used to recommend it so highly to people, bought my mother and one of my sisters a copy, no one has ever liked it. Hmm. That's funny. So what a I drag. I know. And oh. in fact, I even told this to my agent and told her how much I love this book and I, that it's one of my favorites and, and, and that people don't like it. Uh-huh. And she said, I'm going to get it out of the library. I'm going to read it. And then she – Didn't like it. She said she couldn't get past. She said, does it get better? So let me ask you this. Does that uh, – do you feel pressure in that situation? Yeah, like like if you – are you someone who can say to someone, I love this movie. Let's sit down and watch it. No. Me neither. Mm-mm, so much all. pressure. Not oh. at all. I feel so stressed out about things so like that. So stressed. I had a friend, my friend Mike from high school. Shout out to Mike living in Austin, Texas. Hey, Mike. He made us watch The Man With One Red Shoe. All of us. <laughs> and he's like, this is the funniest movie ever. And we hated it. And he didn't care. You know what? My husband is that guy. Hats off to Mike. And do you know what the last movie he ever got us all to sit down and watch was? And what? I swear it'll never happen again. The Ghost of Mr. Chicken. <laughs> the Don Knotts. Yes. Yeah. That's he tough... loves And he still thinks it's awesome and hilarious. And I know he wasn't, better. And we were like, God, this is awful. Yeah, I know better now than to take that risk. When I made my, my older sister yeah. didn't like Dazed and Confused. I was oh, like, that's so good. I'm out. That's it. I'm not going to recommend movies to anyone anymore. I thought this was a, you know, a sure thing. I thought I was safe here. Instead, I misread the situation. Did you ever, when your kids were young, um, get movies that you remembered as being really good, mm-hmm. and then they were, and they were not just not good mm. from the eighties, for example, but also like super inappropriate? No, that happened. Like for somehow I Animal forgot. House? No, no, Fast Animal Times Ridgemont awesome. High. Like oh, I, Fast Times is totally inappropriate. So inappropriate, I didn't remember that. Yeah, though I did watch that with my child. Also, Blades of Glory, which is hilarious. I have never seen Blades of Glory. Oh, that's so funny. No, but I do remember the moment. When my child was 12 and we were watching Don't Mess with the Zohan 
and I realized you are old enough to watch this movie, but I will not watch it with you. Oh, yeah. When I was 19, I saw an R-rated movie with my mother. Worth saying here, everyone, that I am the eighth of nine children. And irregardless? Regardless. Regardless. My mother, um, after the end of the movie, I said, oh, that was a good movie. Did you like it? And she said, uh... Well, I would have liked it better if I hadn't seen it with you. Agreed. And I said, well, totally agreed. You, I didn't even know what she was talking about. And she said, because sometimes I think things can make you feel things you wouldn't necessarily be feeling yet. <laughs> You're 19? <laughs> what, I was like, like, oh, boy. Like arthritis or something? <laughs> so I always remember that. Interesting. Well, yeah. listeners, if you have a favorite book or if you have an I idea have of what a favorite us. book are rereadable – is. I like a, that's such a rereadables. You've I've, never told me this before. I just thought of it a while ago because he already has the rewatchables and the recapables and now the rereadables. But, but I don't think we could is ever. better than my favorite book. It is because it's a different kind it's of book. It's a completely different thing. Although um, the event that we have postponed, um, I don't know if I can say what the book was, but it is one of my favorite books. And not one of mine. And I have reread it many times. Yeah. And it's by Virginia Woolf, I'm just going to say. As I said, I'm a very much a lightweight. And I also read uh, Lesson Zero a million times in college. Um, you know, the one I've read a lot of times is um, Bright Lights, Big City. And I reread it recently, and it is quite good. Is it? It's actually better than I expected. You know what's funny is I read all that Brat Pack stuff because I wanted so to join I. them. Me too. But I never read Bright Lights, Big City because it was set in New York. Oh, my gosh. You have to I read was it. uninterested. Only L.A. So, you guys, listen. I had it in my mind that it was some kind of John Hughesy oh, no. uh, thing. No, like Bolivian marching powder in it. I know, but... I, I don't know. It, it, somehow I had convinced myself that it wasn't – it was just beneath my notice as an adult. Mm. Somehow, whatever. I, though I loved it a lot when I was younger. And I reread it maybe two years ago and, man, it is, is good. It good. It's so I good. I don't think you can say the same for Lesson Zero. I, I haven't read it since 19 probably. I probably haven't either. But I loved that. Um you know, that spare. first person, present yeah. tense, spare, yeah. Although, you know, Bright Lights, Big City is... Um, Second person. Yeah. That might be why which I didn't is, read it, which trippy. is tough. I can't. It's very hard, but believe me, it's You good. are doing coke in the bathroom. No, I'm not. I'm sitting at home reading this book. That's pretty good. Um, that one, but, and, yeah, I mean, like, and Cuckoo's Nest I've read a million times. Yeah. But not recently. There's nothing, because you know why? Because I have an iPad. I don't I read anymore. I gave you... Oh, yeah, I've got uh, Sports Writer. No, no, um, No, um, Independence Day. Independence Day, I have it. By Richard Ford, and I've read that four or five times. It is buried under a pile of Grottopod books, which I'm almost through. That's what happens. Actually, you know what happens to Grottopod books when I'm done with them? They shift to the other night table. Oh, I do that too. (laughs) Well, actually, they're curated. Some are taken out. Yeah. Some are still there. Uh, The wife is very excited to read Crystal Hana Kim's book. I don't know why she just oh, looked yeah. at it and said, this looks like something I'd like. And I said, I'll bet she'll really like it. I think you would really like it. So she's got that lined up there. Oh, that sounds really good. It's a really good book. I recommend it. Even I, I you know. I So I went to the bookstore. I had um, house guests and yeah. was going. Are you into, asking me or are you telling I'm me? T- well, I can't. That, is it house guests if you're taking them out somewhere? I don't know. Anyway, I yeah, was responsible they, for them for 24 they sleep hours. at your house? Correct. Yes. yes. Okay. Um, and I went to Cala Foods to get quiche because – uh, for those of you who live in San Francisco, the best food deal in San Francisco is the Cala Foods quiche. It's $13 for a family size. Son of a gun. Excellent, delicious vegetarian quiche. You need to know this. Well, as a real man, I don't eat oh, true. quiche. Um, and nice next, 80s callback right nearly there. Nearly next door is Books Inc. So I okay. just thought, I'll just, I'll just like breeze through. And of course, I left with three hardcover books. I have no time. I have no time to read. I have all these yeah. grotto pub books I, to read. Yeah. I have my own research to read. I have no self-control. <laughs> See, and that's the thing. I went into the bookstore about a month ago. I said, I need a book. 
So I went in and got the new Tom Parada book. Oh, yeah. Was it good? I don't know. Haven't read it. It's under a pile of Grotopod books. I know. That's the thing. (laughs) That's why we like to do episodes like this when no book rereading is required. Right. For the the illiterate among us. For the illiterate among us. The more uh, verbal. Uh, so let's check oh, let's, writing. We've yeah, about let's check in on your book here. So My just for, for those of the uninitiated, uh, Bridget Quinn author <laughs> has been only partially available. True. For the last, I would say, a couple months. Yeah, I've been pretty flexible until August, and then I freaked out. Yeah, and then she freaked out, and yeah. she goes disappears to her little writing hovel uh-huh. for weeks at a time, yep. which is what Bridget I have was, to do that. Upside is that gives you listeners an opportunity to hear Lee Enjoy Daniel Lee. Kravitz, who's amazing. fantastic, who's yep. everyone's rabbi, yep. uh, or therapist. I'm not sure which. I guess you could just choose. It's kind of yeah, similar. Whatever's most appropriate. Spiritually based, right? I feel like I probably don't have a rabbi. Although I did read a very funny takedown. I almost sent it to you, but I try not to be your grandma too much. Hmm. Um, by a female rabbi on Twitter yesterday, you should look for it. Oh. Where some Irish dude told her there were no female rabbis in the Torah. What? And she said, there are no rabbis in the yeah. Torah at all. There's, an and idiot. there's so many female rabbis. Yeah. We um, sort of take sure a lead how, in Oh, that I know. So thing. I don't have a rabbi. So right. he'll have to be my therapist. So give us an update. So actually, start by mm-hmm. telling us, because, you know, let's, let's assume a certain number of our listeners uh, like myself and not publish a book okay. and don't know the process by which you go from da-da, book deal to book. Okay, so the process from book deal to book is the opposite of Dante's Inferno, of, of the <laughs> Divine Comedy. So you start in paradise and you end in hell. Oh. Yeah. But then you return to paradise when you're hopefully, done. Hopefully, hopefully. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, so the paradise of getting the book deal, you're like, yes, it's the best idea in the whole world and it's going to be beautiful. And then you slowly descend and you go into purgatory where you flog yourself and hate yourself. And then you get to hell where you actually have to do the writing and it's terrible. Mm. And that's Tell where I us what happens – so how big is the gap between when you feel like you're falling behind and when someone who wants that book from you calls you to tell you you're falling behind? Oh, that doesn't happen until... Assuming that you have fallen behind. Right. And how do you know when you've fallen behind? That's another tricky thing, right? Yeah, yeah. So um, uh, this is only my second book. I mean, I've written other books, the only one that is going to be published for sure. Um where I had someone waiting for it. So in both cases, I had to ask for an extension mm-hmm. because I could see. Is I was that not gonna unusual or is that? I don't know. I don't I don't think it's unusual. Um, Were they mad? Were you afraid to ask? I was afraid to ask both times. Both times I spoke to my sainted agent. Mm-hmm. Both times she told me. I, in both cases, I said, I foresee I am not going to hit this deadline and here's why. Mm-hmm. And in both cases, she said, tell them as soon as possible. Do not wait. Okay, so yeah, set expectations. Right, because, I mean, I was about four or five months out when I said, I don't think I'm going to meet this deadline. Mm -hmm. And that way everything can be adjusted. But in both cases, I was given, um, I think with broad strokes, either an extra month or an extra six weeks. And in the case of this book, I've been given an extra six weeks. But I really, it's not a ton of extra time, but I could just see I was not going to hit it. And I would, I would never have made it. But I think I can make it, and it's only if I keep my head down every single day. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so how it works is – Which is sad for me because that means no, no Twitter or no, um, right. no texting. I know. I try, um, I try to and – and No hanging out in the office, shooting the bull. I know, which I do really enjoy. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's a lot of uh, – you know, just it's such a psychotic place to be where you're so filled with self-loathing and megalomaniacal <laughs> surges okay. of awesome. – Really tough mind frame to create 
from. Yeah. Unless you're motivated by that. Like, I got to save my bacon here. I am a little bit. I also, in both cases with both of these books, I feel excited and a responsibility to tell the stories of women in history uh, who have been lost. The Don Raffle syndrome. Exactly. And so um, I feel motivated by that, by thinking, wow, I really need to set the record record straight or I I really want to bring this Are you allowed to talk about what this book's about or you want to keep it under your hat? I think I'm allowed to talk about it in a pretty broad sense, which is it's um, the – Centennial of the 19th Amendment, which is the amendment that gave women, gave women, recognized that women had the right to vote in this country, (laughs) um, is going to be in 1920. And so my book is a history of the 19th Amendment and what happened next. So how did you get that book as your second book after establishing yourself as the preeminent expert on women artists. And not a historian. Correct. Um, two ways. One is that there's an art component to this book, and that okay. part I don't want to talk about. Okay, yet. okay. Um, but art is very much part of it. And because uh, there's a phrase, revisionist history, which I don't like, yeah. um, which is a kind of going back and finding these lost stories. Um, that's what I, revisionist history is? Well, I thought it was changing history to meet to suit your needs. That's why I don't like it. Yeah. Because that's the interpretation. Yeah, is yeah. It's changing history to meet your needs. But it's not. It's looking back and saying, well, here's what was also happening. Mm. Or here's a different way of looking at what happened. But okay. it still happened. You're not making anything up. Okay. Um, and it's a way of correcting this kind of lens that's always put to history that's always the same lens. And so we think that's the truth or that's the only way or that's what happened. And kind many of things happened. I think I'd rather use the word broadening than correcting. Yeah, me too. You know? Because it's, it's you're not because what's been reported wasn't wrong. It just wasn't the whole story. Right. And that's why I don't like revisionists. Yeah, yeah. Because that makes it sound like you're somehow changing it. Right. You're history not revising happened. history, you're adding to history. Well, right. And you're way. you're and you're and the way I look at it is, you know, telling Allowing more voices to be so heard. So what how, – how have you been doing research for this? No one's alive. Thank God. <laughs> um, well, I mean some people are because it goes to now. But <clears throat> the way I've been doing it is kind of the way I do everything, which is to immerse myself as much as possible in reading, seeing, thinking, mm-hmm. doing primary source research, reading other people's books, and then seeing what are the things that keep interesting me. What is the story I want to know? What is the, the thing I want to chase down? So part of my book is telling the story of how the 19th Amendment came to be passed and how, what happened after that for women in the United States, but also who were some of the women and what are the stories that you haven't heard very much about. Mm-hmm. Um, and that I get excited about and that makes it fun to write. For sure. When I want to kill myself is when it gets all into so much historical detail that you have yeah, to relay yeah. in order for someone to understand well, the story. But it's very hard to convey all this information in a way that isn't just so dry. So are you going to get to put you in this at all? I'm in it a tiny bit. That kind of bums me out. Yeah. Because well, I think you the stuff I've read, your memoiry stuff, was yeah. so good. Oh, thanks. And the, stuff the, and the stuff you put into Broad Strokes was so good. I hate to see you being taken out of your book. I hope what comes next has you in it, but it's not. Your next one's like a bio, right? Oh, no, but that has a lot of me in it. My next book after this one? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I will say, though, that I do... have a third book lined up. I have a third book lined up. And I do have a piece coming out in Narrative Magazine at the end of November called Pilots that is a memoir. Oh. 
Okay, yeah, good. If anyone's interested. Good, good. About growing up in Montana and skiing. Oh, you're from Montana? Yeah. I didn't know that. I know. I'm going there on this weekend, too. Um, I know. Weird. <clears throat> so that's the whole story. What are you doing? Uh, nothing. Just driving around, playing really bad golf. Um, going to bars. Going to bars. Getting picked up. There's on. a lot of. I know that's nice, though. Come yeah. on, it's a little nice. Well, yeah. I mean, it was. You're like I still got uh, it. 53 years old. Yeah. Um, no, actually. So here's what happened to me. I, as you know, we had Jennifer Mark Soloway. Yes. And she wants. She's interested in me rewriting my bar mitzvah memoir as a YA novel from the POV so of a 13 year old. So I hopped into that and I got about 20,000 words and I went, well, this sucks. And I backed off, and I said, what do I need to do to make this not suck, other than hire someone to write it? 20,000 words. Yeah, but it was just garbage. It was just a bunch of scenes. Usually, you know, when I try to write, and I, this is mostly theoretical because I've never actually finished an actual novel, but, well, I have one. But I find that I'll start out here. I'm, making, yeah. I'm making, holding my arm shoulder as with the part. As they will go. Right, in this tiny little room. <laughs> like in this case, I said, okay, I'm going to talk, tell this story of a kid six months before his bar mitzvah. Mm-hmm. And then I realized that I could write 150,000 pretty words about that that would be kind of not going anywhere. Oh, for sure. So I got to compress it all. Yeah. So then I went, well, how about a month? Like, no, how about a week? So yeah. I had that in my head, and then I put it aside because, as you know, I had my come-to-Jesus moment in Idaho when I said, no, I need to hang out with these guys and write this novel. Yeah. Started working on that and, um, and compressed it. Can I just interject? Please that I do. do think that compression of time is a very good idea. Um, well, I think that when you feel the clock ticking mm-hmm. as a reader, it makes you want to keep turning the page. And, and it's a real kind of ham-fisted way to just turn up the volume. Right. It's and not ham-fisted. It's good. Especially when you write short stories, which I do, um, you get used to this idea that nothing really needs to happen. Yeah. You know, that like yeah. or one thing needs to happen. Right, right. You know, or... And what, the thing about a novel is not only to do a bunch of kind of big things have to happen, there has to be a subtext happening too. Right. I think. And there's got to be an arc and it's got to yeah. be, you know, so hard. amping, Ugh. amping, amping, amping. And then, you know, just when it seems all is lost. <sighs> so having to get used to that has been really hard and being motivated, of course, for me is really hard. So... Also, la- you're very busy. Nah, I don't know. Multiple podcasts. Not that big. I do this. Um, so two weeks ago or three weeks ago, maybe two weeks ago, I sat in on that how to get an agent meeting here. Yeah. Here at the Grotto, we'll have stuff like that, which is actually really helpful. There's all kinds oh, of how-to and – or even just – it's almost like there's little support groups for every aspect of writing and the writing life you could ever but think of. But you need of. that. Right, right. I think. Yeah, I'm still I'm still not sure how much I need that, but I like I'm the idea that it's there. I'm in a financial group. I find it Are very you really? Mm-hmm. Wait a minute. It's a secret Grotto group. This is the topic. This this is the third rail. Yeah. Oh, I want to be in that group. <laughs> I have um, to be a chick. Of course. <laughs> so it's not a financial group. It's a women's financial group. Correct. <laughs> Good thing we're all trying to get along. Well, this is for a reason. But. A- anyways, so uh, I'm in this how to find an agent group, and the agent, they had an agent call in. It turns out to be none other than... Jennifer March Soloway. Right. Your fan. My fan. Well, she's, she's never actually seen anything I wrote, but... Well, she's your fan. Right. But so she uh, she's going around. We're going in the room, and everyone's saying, uh, here's what I'm working on. And she gets to me, and I say, it's me. You know what I'm not working on. And <laughs> and she says... Uh, she <laughs> well says, said. She says, I want that. When are you going to show that to me? And if, at first, I felt kind of pumped up, like, check it out, everyone. I know. Like, we got she's an agent. She wants me. me. Yeah. 
Um, and after, and I said, and you, you know, still should feel pumped. Well, up. and I said, I'm, you know, she's absolutely right. I, I need to stop wasting my time on a mm-hmm. book that has, you know, an iffy future, and maybe try to write this one. But actually, you know what? Made me made me think. I said I'm ten thousand words in. I lied because I'm actually twenty, but at least half of them are worthless. <laughs> You're the only writer in the world. Who yeah. Under. <laughs> but she said, "Oh, you only have thirty five thousand to go." And I went, "What?" They're that. She's like, "Oh yeah, why is shorter?" And I'm like, it's "Oh, so short. Yeah. That is so much less daunting than yeah. you know." I think of a novel. I think of at least seventy thousand words. That's no, three hundred pages. No, I think pages. YA is fifty five. You can find. It. Listeners, you can find this out online. Mm-hmm. You can just plug any of these numbers in, and they'll tell you. But that you. just seems—I don't know why that seems like a less daunting number to me, but it really does. So I said, "Huh." And See, it's funny because I'm a little bit the opposite. You I want feel, more room, right? I feel like less means it has to be tighter. Well, because I struggle with plots. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe that's why I'm like. Oh. Yeah, but that's even harder, isn't yeah. it? Or is it not? I don't know. I always think not as much has to happen. Anyway, so what no, I did. No, it's the opposite. Where I'm at now, I. Immediately mentally checked out of the rest of that meeting, though I was still there. Um, well done. And I decided, you know what I'm going to do? So I have this 150,000-word memoir of that year, that right. year leading up to my son's uh, bar mitzvah. And that's too long for a memoir. Too long for a memoir. And half of it could easily be thrown out. A lot, and most of it could easily be thrown out. So I decided I'm going to go through this now and Smart. see if I can take any themes out. And fewer than you would think, because when you write it from my point of view, you know, there's whole chapters on me going to buy a hundred or 200 Chinese New Year stamps and the travails of trying. It was really funny. (laughs) And in fact, I was going through and I was taking some out thinking, you know, if I ever have to read, uh, this could be a standalone and it'd be funny. Yeah. Yeah. So I was taking those out and going through with all my, my themes. But what about not just themes, but like things that happen? I was, it's kind of both. Okay. I mean, I was writing down this, you know, I want to include this. I want to include this. I was, there was, but you know, but it's from your POV because it's memoir. Right. So Got there's it. so yep. much I have to take out. Yep. And there's too many themes for like big for themes. Sure. So for I thought, sure. no, I'm going to take all this stuff out. I'm going to streamline it. This kid's moving toward his bar mitzvah. He's getting bullied by this other kid. He's got to find himself in a He's week. He's becoming a man. Boom. Yes. So I did that. And that was last week. And then so we are going on a little trip next week oh, yeah. to Europe. Yeah. And the wife will be working all day. That's perfect timing. So I thought, writer's retreat. Absolutely. So I, the plan now is to sit down and see how much I can crank out so in that week. And hopefully, you know, you know, my problem is always motivation. It's always just getting going. Um, and a lot of that is trying to – is writing uh, – you writers out there might have the same issue – is writing for no one. But you you're know? not writing for no one. I know, but what the things, you know, what have I done really successfully? I've done three blogs really successfully right. because every day I wrote some and someone right. said, this is great. Right. So you want feedback like that. Yes. Right. I need to know someone's listening. What about, do you ever think about joining a novel writing? Because Grotto has that. Yeah. I, I've gone to a few of those. Yeah. And I actually just, that's funny. Just today there was an email that went out and I said, yeah, maybe it's time for me to get back yeah. into that because maybe I will have something to talk yeah. about. I mean, the, the downside to those kinds of things in any writer's group is, it, this is ironic because, uh, so let me finish the first thought. Mm-hmm. This is my brain. Uh, that you can get bad advice. And not that the person giving it is giving is is not a savvy critic or whatever. It's just bad advice for you, right? Mm-hmm. Or sometimes they are a bad critic. And yeah. sometimes it's just soul killing or whatever it is to find the right balance of helpfulness in a group where you're not getting sucked dry can right. be very difficult. So I went – I had an experience in New York City where a – I took a class as part of the 92nd Street Y with a fairly well-known novelist who called my character the C-word. 
I think I mentioned that on air. Oh before. my goodness! And I was in my twenties, and I was like, "F this! I am not doing this ever again." Yeah. Like, was it a guy or a girl? Girl. I don't think a guy could really. Get no, a guy that. couldn't do that. Um, although she was completely out of line, and it was unacceptable. At yeah. any rate, um, so I didn't have a writing group forever after that. And then, and I was always very wary. And I'd had a very good writing group in New York outside of, so I thought once I left New York, I thought I could never find anyone again. And I did, um, you know, I went to writers, what do you call those conferences, Bread Loaf, Tin House, things like that. We've had episodes about how those agree with you. Right. But I could never commit to a writing group until I met Jennifer March Soloway. Ironically. So are you now in a writing group? No. No. But she was, I met her running Mm -hmm. and she was writing YA and I had met a woman at Tin House who also lived in the area and I thought I trusted, Thea Sullivan is her name, very good writer. I trust her writing. Maybe this person, Jennifer, is okay. I don't know. And she sent me some of her writing and I thought it was good and I sent her mine and her feedback was amazing. Oh. Um, and so we did a writing group of three people, and it was the best group I've ever been part of. It was so, so good. And then Jennifer ended up being a pretty fantastic agent, and it's mm-hmm. understandable why. Because and she's a great mate. And my office mate. Because she's a great editor mm-hmm. and a great reader. Well, I last time I was in a writing group was right when I started at the Grotto. Mm-hmm. And I got to tell you, you um, know, my, my brand is not being snobby, but I big timed them. Are you big time them being snobby or the opposite? Yeah, I snob. I, oh. <laughs> it was right before Lit Crawl the first year. And I went to a few and I and it was it just wasn't It wasn't going the way. In a non snobby way, it just we weren't writing about the same stuff. Right. There were more I aliens know, in there. You have and, to find the right that's why right. Jennifer shouldn't have been the right reader for me because she was writing YA novels and mm-hmm. I was writing a memoir. Mm-hmm. But there are people who that's kind of what I meant by it doesn't mean they're not a good they might just not be good for well, you. And it has Somehow, to feel like it's. I mean, it, it, getting through their stuff was hard. Exactly, exactly. And that they were too. good. I mean, that they were too. they were more serious than me, and they had a. But I was such an idiot. They had a, a, a thing on Lit Crawl. Mm-hmm. I went to that, and mm-hmm. then I went to the Grottos, and it was that year we had it at the. Um, What's that place? The monastery or oh, whatever, right. yep. and it was like a rock show. Right, right, right. right. And I was like, I'm out. Screw these guys. I'm a member of the Grotto now. <sighs> Maybe not my proudest moment, but that's what I did, and here we are. Yes. But well, the nice thing it might not have gone farther. Who knows? Right. But the nice thing about having a writing group is you got a reason. You know, you right. got someone. Someone's going to read it. That's what well, keeps that's, me. That's yeah. why I was thinking that it would be good to have. I mean, we can start exchanging pages after December fifteenth. Okay, after December fifteenth. Um, and I think that would be a real, because the other thing I find interesting about you is that you say you need motivation, but you are able to write more than anyone I know. Like you probably write more words than I do. If I have to. I mean, when I was working at the newspaper, when I first started, um, coming real estate was my beat, and I wrote seriously seven articles a week. Oh my god, I cannot imagine. Yeah, I was, and it wasn't. They weren't like heavy. Can I? Speaking of texting people, can I just tell you that I every time I have to write a book review, a book review, it's not even that hard, right? I text Vanessa Wah freaking out <laughs> like many, many times about how hard it is because she writes a weekly call. That's easy. I, I did that for well, five years. Well, it's no years, easier it was, than a book review. I mean, I But you don't have to my, read anything. I mean, I, well, well, I've read it. I can't write the stupid oh, thing. I find yeah. it so stressful. But a weekly column's easier because, yeah, I think that'd be way easier than a book. I mean, really? all you got to do for a weekly column is what's my idea this week? Go. Yeah. yeah and it was, I loved doing it. It was so much fun because, well, because I had no editor. I could well, do whatever really I wanted. Fun. It was really fun. <laughs> and I would be like, 
well, let's see what sort of alleyway I can take them down this week and just trust them to follow me there. And just, you know, some weird. That's, that's very cool. It was a blast. I really liked it and it was really easy and I wish I had been able to do it longer. Yeah. But I mean, that's a pretty good gig. No question about it. It is. But it is a lot of responsibility to feel that stress every week. I will say also my most recent review, which I don't think has come out yet, was not a glowing one. Mm. And that's so hard oh, that to is. Write. T- yeah, I think those would be really hard. I don't. I didn't. Like I mean, it. I used to do records years yeah. and years ago, and those weren't. I thought the hardest part about that was avoiding jargon. Oh, especially talking about music. I mean, it's like talking about art. How or can food. you uh, totally? How can you not fall into the whole like luminous blah blah blah? blah right, whatever. right. <laughs> it's it's hard. You want to take a Rachel Levin approach? Yeah, completely. Who did you see that she be, just won a big award? I did. I can't remember what it's called. Sorry, Rachel. Sorry, anyway, Rachel. But she good manages to be really. Um, Unique, really. Well, you know why? I think, and I think I mentioned this in our um, interview with her. I don't know what episode. But I would love to have it right here for you, but I don't. Check out Grottopod with Rachel Evan. Uh, she sa- when you read Rachel, she sounds hungry. <laughs> like like she likes to eat. Yeah. Like she yeah. likes the food. And yeah. And I love that. It's so refreshing. But I also think she manages to ignore conventions. I think food writing and, and all kinds of that, you know, rock and roll writing too, there are right. conventions oh, completely. that people follow mindlessly, whether they think they're supposed to or not. They have an idea like, okay, this is what a restaurant review looks like. And that was one of the hardest things for me in the first drafts of Broad Strokes was to step back from so much art historical training mm-hmm. and to just talk like a normal person about what I was seeing. That has always been my strength. It's hard. Yeah. That's huge. I think that's fantastic. And the thing is, about your bar mitzvah story, yeah. I had to think about the word for a second, is I don't really know what a bar mitzvah is. Like, yeah. you're really pulling back the curtain. You know? That one really does. You never read it. If you ever have like 100 years to spend. To, yeah, to read the 100. It's actually pretty easy thousand. to read. But there, I read it again. There's so many chapters that don't need to be there. Right. But, but I mean, the the YA book, that's the, that's the cool thing about it, too, is that you're showing the secret world that only some people know. Yeah, yeah. And that's but, always fun. Does that limit your audience? No, because that world, it's you're showing a world that they don't know or even if they do know it. Right. But removing the sausage casing even further, Mm -hmm. I have heard, you know, when you go to solicit an agent Mm -hmm. or a publisher or if you're trying to sell a podcast, someone says, who's your audience? Right. And I have always, you know, when I first started that, when I was trying to sell that book, who's your audience? I said, everybody said, no. that's what you're never supposed to say. Your audience is Jews. I, say, I disagree. I, I strongly disagree. And the thing Jews is, and you, the Catholic girls who love them. <laughs> well, that's true. <laughs> um, but, but that's why the story can't be about becoming a Jewish man. Right. The story is about becoming a man. Becoming a man. Yeah, yeah. What makes us pass through the threshold from childhood to some? I mean, obviously, when you're 13, you're not an adult and, and you're not, not a man. A week, yeah. But there is some transformation of the self and the soul. That's what you need to show mm-hmm. that is universal. But it's only interesting if it's specific about a character, a culture. Yeah, my uh, idea is that the kid will, you know, what does he want and does he get it by the end? That's all there is to any you know? story, right? Yeah. And, and at what moment does he realize he can get it? Thwart him from Yes, people will it. get in his way. Right. Hebrew, that's hard. He, not if you've been taking it since kindergarten. Okay, that's You know, good. that kid took Hebrew from kindergarten, eighth grade, does not know a word of it now. Not surprised. Wasted our money. Least. I went to Chile with my two children. Yeah. Who had had Spanish for and 10 years. Uh, this surprises me because when I went to Mexico last year, all of a sudden I could speak Spanish. And I haven't had it since college. Okay, but 
all I can say is I was not pleased. I was displeased <laughs> when my eighth grade son. You did a cost benefit analysis. I did. Did not know the word for water in what? Or was Spanish. he just embarrassed? I don't know. Or he was having a meltdown. But I was furious. <laughs> so. so where are we at with your book? Um, okay, I would say. Okay, well, first of all, I prefaced our pre podcasting conversation with we talked last week I would have been a psychotic yes. I would have had a psychotic yes. break talking about it but here's what happened so I had to write the pivotal moment in the book which is the vote for the 19th amendment and it's a difficult chapter for two reasons one is there's a lot of drama and I'm also not great at plot is this a chapter that took you all day two days ago you said I'll be back in four hours and then like at eight o'clock that night you're like I finished a chapter yeah but I didn't write it that day that I was finishing oh. it I mean it took me days and days okay. and days um so it's pivotal in that, A, you have to explain, for those who didn't have Schoolhouse Rock, how something comes a bill, <laughs> how oh, something's yes. ratified. Yeah, I know, because Schoolhouse Rock. Right. And, you know, how many states need to ratify, and that in 1920 there were only 48 states because there are two states that came after that. Blah, 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 blah. I mean, there's a lot of info that you have to slip in there. Is this stuff you're interested in? That, I mean, that uh, part of it, that like, no. here's how America works. Uh, I mean, I, I am just because I'm kind of nerdy about history and... Culture, well, I guess. that's not the only thing. But no, no, totally. But the story is so fantastic, and I want to do it justice. And so then I feel kind of like stressed out about doing it justice. And then it just sucked. Like I finished it, I was so happy. I sent it to my agent, and I thought, whoo, I'm going to have a free weekend. I'm just going to read for the next chapter, research, start outlining. And by morning, I opened my email, and it was like, it doesn't work from beginning to end, and you have to start over. Why? But like, there was no, like, just editing you could do to make it work? No. From beginning to is, end. Well, I'm summarizing, but yes. And when you read it, did you read it before you sent it? Yeah. And it seemed okay? No. I mean, I knew oh. it wasn't, but I thought we could fix it. Yeah. I mean... It's, Not fixable. And also, the last chapter I had sent, which was also complicated, I said, I know this isn't a good way to tell a story, this, then, this, then, this, then, this, but I don't mm. know how else to tell it. And she said... Actually, it works. Oh. So I thought it could happen. Yeah. Right? But also, I figured, okay, I'll move some stuff around, or she'll have sometimes, oh, she's so amazing. Sometimes she'll say, like, what, this one thing, and it will turn everything, and I'll realize, oh, if I just insert that moment, then it will all work. But this time, she was like, I'm not sending any copy edits. It doesn't really work. <sighs> so um, I freaked out and was so depressed and came to work here at the Grotto on a Saturday with Anise, who's best. Spent all day with her on Saturday, spent all day on Sunday. At any rate, four days later, working 10 hours a day, I rewrote the chapter from beginning to end and no edits. No edits. <laughs> Zero edits. So I'm still in that high. Wow. And I have to say, I appreciate that you responded to my golf-related texts on Saturday and Sunday, <laughs> knowing that you were here. Um so, and the thing is, she, I knew she was right. She was 100% right. And as soon as I was able to just, like, turn my brain around and think about it a different way, it all fell into place and it took a t- shit ton of work. I'm not saying it didn't. But now I feel so great and yeah. so psyched. So last week, everything sucked and I sucked and nothing was going to work. And now <laughs> I feel like, okay, that was really the midpoint and I have laid the groundwork. I've explained some very complicated legal situations in 19th century America. I've dealt with Dude. some bad racial situations. I have, you know, negotiated all of these things. I've laid the groundwork. I've turned the corner and now it's the, I'm on the back half of the book and I feel like it's going to happen. And when you're done, how many words will it be? 
Look like that. 65,000, so about yeah. 280, 275. Yeah, I mean, I know that doesn't sound like very many words, but part of the difficulty is compressing these giant things mm-hmm. into these short chapters. Wow. And this is for Chronicle again? Mm-hmm. I love them. Yeah. So um, I'm super excited about it. I mean, I definitely have to keep my head down and, and keep going, but I see that I can make it now. Do you think that – so you're just completely focused on this, doing no other writing, Mm-mm. very little reading, just everything focused well, on this. Do you, I mean, I've really – I've done Do you have a, any escape valve like, no. other than, than no. familial obligations? No. It's all family and work. That's it. That's all I'm doing. But it's all I can do. I mm-hmm. literally cannot do one more thing. I mean, I still have events. Like, I have an event in Sacramento next week. Why don't you, well, this won't we'll air until. Yeah. Liquake, though. Liquake. You mm-hmm. got to, yeah. What day are you doing Liquake? October 16th with Bridget Watson Payne of Chronicle Books. Oh, I think I will be back by then. Oh, if so, I'll you. come. It's called Doubling Down. It's about being a multi-hyphenate. Oh, In my really? case, an author, art historian. In her case, an artist, editor, <clears throat> writer. You know what would have made Liquake better? If we were part of it? Me. Yeah, yes, I think I, I would have made it better. Completely agree. Done some interviewing of people. thousand percent. I will be back for Lit Crawl, which I may go to just because it often offers me the only opportunity I have to hang out with Grant Faulkner. Oh, that's nice. And I really like hanging out with Grant Faulkner. Hey, Grant, you should have us on your new podcast. Totally. Uh, and you should come to StoryFord, even though I know you can't. Oh, he can't come. He can't come. He's Too going bad. to AWP. But it's the next week. I know, but he's a guy with kids. He can't take oh, off for two yeah. weeks. Anyway, you guys, Story Fort in Boise, Boise, that was super fun. And it'll be equally super fun this year. We'll be back. Rumor is they're trying to get uh, all of Willie's band there this year. Oh, that would be excellent. Mm I would love that. And I'm going to suggest some other people to see if they can get up there and... Oh my gosh, this is going to be super fun. This year, I'm not going to have something due. I don't know if you're going to think you This year, you're going to play a larger role. Yes, exactly. And I'm just going to hang out and have fun instead of working in my hotel room. Well, you two can join in conversations about rock and roll at 3 o'clock in the morning. I want to do that. Yeah. Um, we should tell Someone's people when drive. it is. It's Story Fort. It's the end of... March 18th to 24th, I yeah. think. Yep, that sounds right. Boise, Idaho. It's in the weekend before AWP. In conjunction with Tree Fort Music Fest, which is huge. I mean, it was pretty if massive. If you go to Boise that week, you'll end up walking around, and there will be all sorts of sort of leather-clad, lanky people lounging around coffee shops talking about tour buses. And drinking IPAs. There was a lot, lot of, of IPA a drinking lot of beer, happening. A lot of beer. Yeah. I did the best swag bag I ever got. You did? I got there. Um, it was fantastic. And I just had a really, I had a really good time there. I had a really good time, too. Um, you know what I wanted to talk about a little bit because we have some time? We were just talking about this before. Um, the So this weekend, I, I met a woman who I referred to oh, you. Oh, yeah. Um, I won't say her name. I won't may, say her name. She might got, be listening. We have not if gotten so, permission. Shout out to her. But uh, but this whole idea, the ups and downs of referring writer types oh, man, right? to other writers. Yeah. Because, you know, I have to say, I don't get the opportunity very often. Mm-hmm. You know, I, never before the grotto because I didn't know anybody. Right. And I wasn't in a position to help anyone. But... You know, when I heard that this woman was writing a book that seemed similar to the kind of stuff you do, I thought, bingo, here's yeah. a great opportunity to help someone. And it actually, the more I thought, it was like, wow, like, I could actually change this person's life. I know. It's so cool, It right? is really cool. It's really cool. And I do think her idea is really good. I did, too. Yeah. And untimely. That's what I told yeah. her. So I think this is a really yeah. timely idea. Yeah. I think it's good. Now, the flip side of this is yeah. that if you are someone like Bridget Quinn Author with one hugely popular book in the can and another ready to go. Yep. (laughs) This isn't the only request you get. No, I get several a week. Yeah. And when we, we, you and I talked about this. And we can actually, for people wanting to, you can lay out the correct way to do it. 
Okay, I will. Which our friend has done. Yes. Well, well really but say all not that. the whole thing, but yeah. just say. Okay. Well, let me just let me just say this. So, um, in I have mostly only had women, but some men reach out to me, mm-hmm. and uh, I was a teacher for a long time, and especially you know young people, women, but also men. Anyone looking to live a creative life, I want to support. I want to support exactly. their dreams. I want to support them. And if there's an honest and the first intuition is any way I can help. Exactly. And sometimes it's so easy, right? Mm-hmm. And I respond yeah, in this case, it was to really easy for me. everyone. Well, right. It's <laughs> easy to send people on. Um, but here is the here's the downside. The caveat. It. The caveat. As it were. Which is that people will glom onto you and never stop. And... Well, and it seems like you'll be able to figure out pretty quickly how serious they are. Well, and sometimes they're very serious. So here's my two big – so I respond to everyone and I used to be super – like I would really set aside hours every week to help people, Mm -hmm. talk to them on the phone. Well, mentoring. Yeah. And I really wanted to do that. And some of those have been very – have been very gratifying in so many ways. And most people are fantastic. And most people – actually, all people – are really trying their best, but I don't think they know what they're doing in terms of what they're putting out there. And here's what I'm going to, and I know I'm talking obliquely and here it is. People often approach me and now it's becoming clear to me and they ask for one thing when they really want another Mm. because they're trying to just kind of like get you in the fold. And you don't need to do that. Just tell me what the hell you want. Right, right. Because you've just wasted my time. Right. Is it because they're afraid to ask? I think so. Yeah. So um, I have had people say to me like, oh, I'm really interested in finding out this part of the publishing industry. Could you – is there any way you could help me? And I'll say, sure. I think you should contact this person. I think you should look at these websites. I think – I mean this takes my time, right? Right, right. And then they go back and say, oh – yeah, that all looks really good. Can I talk to your agent? Yeah, because they just want to meet your agent. Right. Or can I – can you please make this introduction with me with this person? Like if that's what you wanted, that's all you had to say. Well, and from my point of view, I will hopefully be in that position soon. Right. Where I might have something where I can go to the garage and say, hey, here's what I got. Anyone, you know. Right. And people want to help you. I yeah. mean they totally do. And so I'm not saying don't reach out to people, but I'm saying be honest. Be honest. And know what you yeah. want. And also just know that people aren't like limitless reserves of energy and right. time. Right, right. So um, that's kind of it. So the thing with your person who reached out to me was she said exactly what she wanted. And it was so refreshing. (laughs) (laughs) I was like, uh, and you know what I said? Sure. Yeah. I can do that. And she also offered me something. Right. Which um, it's come to this point and many people have recommended I do this in the past. We were talking to Beth. To Beth, who Beth said, when people approach me, I say, here are my rates. I will consult. Right. And I'm going to have to start doing that just because, A, I need money, and B, I'm not a limitless well. I just can't keep going. And it makes me sad. I mean, there's so many awesome people. Don't stop reaching out to me. I love having these conversations. But if you want something, you need to be honest with yourself. (laughs) Which is hard to do, I think. I know. And I've spent more time on the other end of that. Me too. You know, as the one like, like uh, who can help me? Uh, someone help me. And it is hard to ask for what you want because it feels like a big ask. But And here's the other. It is a big ask. Yeah. It's huge. And that's why that shouldn't be what you want sometimes. So, for example, um, I feel like people need to be in the game because – that's worth it in and of itself. Go to readings because readings are fun, because you'll meet other writers and people who love reading. Not because I'm going to this reading because if I meet this person, they're going to change the course of my life. Mm-hmm. The chances of that happening from that one time are small. However, but it does happen. Keep in mind, 
that if you talk to a lot of people, Correct. that increases your chances that this will change your life. Right. It increases your chances, and also over time, I will you say, will develop relationships. Yes, and I would say that my Boise experience is an example of that. Tell me. Because I went there oh, and I right. thought two of my favorite writers are going to be here. I'm going to meet them. And it turned out Stuart O'Neill the third was there. Yeah. And I said, "Not, I'm going to hang out with these guys. And, and when this can... is over, I want them to, I want to, I want to know them. I want yeah. them to be my friends." Yeah. And, and it's still an ongoing thing. I still, you know, and it's funny because you have to, you have to take the opportunity. Like when I was in Seattle, I had to reach out to to right. Evison. Right. Knowing that if in San Francisco, he probably wouldn't reach out to me. He doesn't right. know me. Right. 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 But I reached out and said, "I'm going to take this chance." Right. And, and it's great. Now but I got the a new thing guy is, to hang you out weren't with. reaching out to Johnny Evison to say like, "Hey, um, will you read my manuscript no, for me?" Right? No. You're reaching out because you love his writing, you love his work, and I want to know someone else who's kind of in the same boat. Exactly. Yeah. And and that's the most important thing. Like, I would be, I am right. totally on the side of creative people, and I want to be their ally, but I don't want to be used. Right. <laughs> I want to be your ally, and I want to be in it with you. Yeah, it's definitely a better way to go to like. Be friends with us. I've always said, you know, what's the best query letter? It starts with, hey, remember me from high school. Exactly. Exactly. And so, I mean, I'm uh, so I guess I'm, uh, I, I'm talking out of two sides of my mouth, I suppose. I'm not saying go do these things without any thought in the world that anything could happen. But to go with the idea that I'm going to have this outcome is to use people. If you're going to meet people, show up a bunch of times. Of course. Don't just show up once. Of course. And also, people don't owe you anything. They don't. Mm-hmm. I mean... And and but also people don't have your worst in, because the other side of it is thinking like I can never call somebody when I'm in Seattle because they right. won't remember me and I would be rude and I'm that's and not that's true really, either and that is really hard because that is a lot of people me included um, baseline my but daughter would, like, why has would they remember me a standing invitation from Caroline Paul. I know. To contact her, mm-hmm. and she will not do it because she doesn't want to be the like annoying person doing it. But it's crazy. But, and we are actually now we're talking about like three or four sides of our mouths. Right. Well, exactly. <laughs> exactly. But it is. I, I, yeah, I'm not sure. I, I wish I could sum it up, but I think what we're saying is commit. You I think commit it's commit and, and also commit to. Don't try to take shortcuts. Heart, right, and not to the not to the outcome, yeah, mm-hmm. to the shortcut. Like there is no hack. Well, here's a perfect example. When people say. Um, well, blah, 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 because I want to know your agent and I want to know your publisher. It's like, maybe your man, is your manuscript good? Yeah, well, that's the thing. And the <laughs> best the thing, thing, and the only thing that you can do, even if you love the manuscript right, and love the help. person, is give it to your agent and your agent still might not like it. They probably won't. You can't it's, guarantee anything. It's a one in a million yeah. shot no matter what. So it doesn't, yes, it helps to know people, but it's not going to change the actual fact of the thing itself. Right. That's where your energy has to be. So... If you're the, my friend that I referred to Bridget, I mean, I was actually sort of surprised. But that you she, also vetted. I vetted, and she came back with, oh, this is a query letter. This isn't just, hey, man, let's meet up. Right, like, right, 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 right. That's, you're serious. You know what you're doing. Right, and she'd done her due diligence on the topic, and yeah. she knew what she was doing. So, you know, I, it was so— Sweet vetting by me. I know. It was very yeah. good. Thank you so much. And also just, um, you know, that's a joy when you encounter someone. Or I think about someone like Anna, uh, Anna Bronis who I became friends with on Instagram. Yeah. An, an artist and a writer. or Grotto Kayla, Podcast. Grotto Podcast. Or Kayla Kagan, who I hope we have on, who's a YA writer. Mm-hmm. Um, these are people who I've just 
you know, I like commented on social media and they commented back and we developed really a friendship. Mm-hmm. And now I read all their work. I see what they're doing. I think they do the same for me. It wasn't because I said to myself, oh, Kayla Kagan's writing about women artists too. She's got she something. Knows, she she could like scratch my back. It, that's not – that's no way to look at the world. Mm-hmm. It's not going to – not going to work like that. Yeah, you know, that's true because there's – I was just thinking of there's a couple guys that I would like that mm-hmm. to happen if I were to start. And it's yeah. just because they seem like cool guys and I like what they write totally, about. Yeah. yeah. I mean we all have, of course, our – oh my gosh, I haven't told you this and this is totally a secret so I can't Are you going to tell it. people in 71 countries about it? Yes. OK. Here's a perfect example. A writer I am obsessed with. Mm-hmm. I reached out to write my foreword. Oh. And she said yes. <gasps> wow. I know. And she doesn't know me at all, but I have, you know, followed her on Twitter, commented on things, not because I ever thought she would ever respond to me, but because I like her and mm-hmm. I like her work and I admire her and I've written about her also. Um, and, you know, none of that ever was done with in mind. Like, I'm going to someday write a, a his, a, a, an American history book. Like, that was never in my mind. Right. But because I have been engaged <laughs> in the world with people I feel passionate about, I could reach out knowing so, I've I've supported her. So what we're saying is be calculated in an uncalculated way. <laughs> well, I guess. But I guess the only calculation is like be committed to do what you do. Do stuff you like. Yes. Yeah, do stuff you like and Do stuff you like it. and yeah. know that that's enough. Yeah. It I mean, has well, to be enough. Hopefully, yeah, it's going to have to be enough. But put it that you way. can't. There is no hack. You can't make it work. Yeah, you can't way. fake it. And you, there's no hack. Because what if Stephen King says, "Sure, I'll pass your thing along to my agent." You think it's really going to matter? Yes. If it no. comes from Stephen King and Stephen King says, "If read, you suck," no. yeah, all that would mean was St- the agent would read it. Yeah, exactly. But you they know? might read it anyway. I'm just saying you can't hack that middle step, which is write something. You got to write something good. Yeah. Still working on that. So that's where I am trying to write something. Same. Good. Yeah, we're just trying to write good stuff. Yep. It's an hour gone. Boom. Really, Us just oh, sitting here it. hanging out, sweating in the uh, grotto it's so pod. It's hot. It's very hot. It's very hot today in the grotto pod because it's, it's warm in, in the Francisco. city. It's summer has begun just when I want the leaves to change. I'm sorry. Every year they pull that garbage on me. But we, I won't be here in October. Just like that. Gone. Writing retreat. Boom. Where there will be fall. I hope so. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I be? hope they'll be fine. And we're going to do some cool stuff that I'll tell you off camera. Okay. Camera. Off like they're camera. filming us. Yeah. Thank God they're not. Off mic. Us. I will tell you our cool agenda for Switzerland. Oh, I do want to hear it. I, I do, do think your idea hear. of a writing, writing retreat, retreat is super good. In fact, perhaps we should have some accountability, Grotto Pod listeners. Oh. Larry, I don't even think it needs to be words. I think you need to absolutely commit to at least two hours of working on the book a day. While two hours. Two hours a day. So it doesn't matter if the word count is there or not. Okay. Because you have to spend two Ooh, hours. Two hours. Maybe it's reading. Maybe it's editing. Maybe it's writing. Maybe any of those things. Okay. And, uh, and so, yeah, okay, two hours a day. This is during the weekdays because we'll be gone on the Correct. weekends. That's fine. Five days a week is fine. Okay. Two All right. Week. I'm committing. Two hours. Okay. Committing to bring in the uh, laptop and the adapter to plug in. You know, because yep. it's uh, different stuff. Oh, right. Yeah. You could write longhand. No, I can't. I know, I can't either. Give me a headache. Oh, I do. Headache? Well, and check it out. I don't have my notes here. When I take the notes, I'm sitting there writing the notes going, I'm never going to be able to read this. My handwriting is so awful and does give you me You know what headache. I was, wish I had asked Mary Jo when she was talking is how does she record people when she's doing interviews? Because I'm stressed about that. Oh, you don't just use your phone? I haven't. Well, I do sometimes. But when you're on the phone with someone, I used to I do it I, through my phone. 
Uh, I mean, I've gone, you know, I was writing long enough ago that I had a little tape recorder. So did I. And then the digital tape recorder. That's what I did. And then the phone is way better. Remember those teeny tiny little cassettes? Mm -hmm. (laughs) I have a bunch of those somewhere. But there's still nothing I hate more than transcribing. Oh, I've done so much of that. That is worse. And... But I really, because I sometimes like it because I feel kind of virtuous. I hate it's it. It's like I'm getting so something much. done. Oh, I'm I hate getting... it. So <laughs> when I worked for ESPN, my job was to interview all the athletes. Yeah. And I used to love that part. I'd feel like, I have worked so hard. I hate it. It's I, I, I would put off writing an article just because I knew I had to transcribe it first. I'd do all my interviews and I'm like, oh, no, I have to transcribe. So apologies to transcribers. Previous employers who may have gotten some part work from me because I put it off to the I'll last minute. I bet now there's just a. An app there or is. whatever, OC. There's a Dragon Dictation, but I tried it. Does it, it work? And no. I can't imagine it does not work. And I, I went into an interview once with that, and it was I was writing for a law magazine, and it was lawyers, you know, and they don't know, like nonsense. Yeah. yeah, so I didn't want to screw up. But uh, We are done, listeners. Okay. That's it for us. All right. Uh, should we even, like, it's so casual. Should we say, uh, you know, email us at grottopod at gmail.com. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at the Grotto Pod. And also, everyone should definitely read, write, and just keep working. That's it. Just keep, yep. read, write, and just keep working. We're cutting everything else out. Done. Done. Done.